This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Go With Yammo. Go With Yammo is an art exhibition app which helps you find the exhibitions and art events happening all around you. The app displays exhibitions based on your location, showing you the ones nearest you at the top of the list. If you're going on a trip, you can change your location to plan your art excursions accordingly. What makes the app really fun is when you're at an art exhibition, you can check in and earn points, which can then be used to redeem prizes from the in-app store, such as prints, exhibitions, books, and more. Go With Yammo also creates custom virtual exhibitions for galleries and artists. These, alongside exciting blog content, can be found via their extensive website. The app is free to download now. Make sure you visit their website at www.gowithyamo.com. That's www.g-o-w-i-t-h-y-a-m-o.com. Hello everybody and welcome to Art on a Podcast, a podcast created by Art on a Postcard. Today, I am delighted to be joined by the legendary Charmaine Watkiss, one of the many artists donating postcard-sized masterpieces to the 2022 International Women's Day Charity Auction for the Hepatitis C Trust. Hi Charmaine, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Hello. Hello, and thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Anytime, this is such a joy. I have to start this conversation by saying what a huge fan I am of your work and how I've wanted to speak to you for a really long time on my own platform. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you. And Charmaine, where are you speaking to us from today? Where in the world are you? Uh, I'm in London and I'm sat in my studio at the moment. It's a little bit chilly, but yes, it's nice to be in a studio. Tell by your nice jumper. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts in London is your studio? Uh, it's in Woolwich. Uh, it's along the river by the Thames Barrier. So it's a nice location, actually. Wonderful, that's a really lovely location. Um, and many of our listeners will know your incredible works, just jumping straight into it, and we'll be putting pieces all over our social media. Um, and when researching your work, a term that stuck out to me was um, you describing these, you know, meticulously detailed works as memory stories. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about this term. Uh, yes, it's a term that I uh, conjured up to convey like a feeling dimension that comes through my work. I kind of make works that kind of speak about the African Caribbean diaspora experience and I draw um, kind of ideas and research from history and then I construct narratives with those with that historical research so for me memory is something that's kind of encoded within our DNA so if I'm going back into the archive and retrieving all of these lost stories for me it is kind of like connecting to memory but an ancestral kind of memory so um, because that kind of connects Um, to my idea of lineage as well and that um, you know everything is stored in our DNA and in our cells and so when we give birth to new life it kind of gets transferred down through generations so so it's kind of a I suppose a romantic term memory stories but it does kind of encapsulate how I view history because it isn't an event that just happens and then disappears it's something that's part of a continuum (laughs) no it does and 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 history obviously is such a huge huge element of your work and that the term Mm. history is such an umbrella 
you for everything. Um, yeah. And I wonder, um, this sort of past impact in the present and this role and ideas of history in your work, how do you go about, do you do a lot of research? Is it a lot of speaking to people? Uh, a bit of both. Uh, I do, when I come up with initial ideas, I do a lot of kind of Google research and then I start reading books and uh, retrieving papers from archives and conversations with people is, is, is really good as well. That always helps, um, particularly if I'm doing some, something specifically, for example, around Windrush, talking about my parents' generation, I'll speak to, you know, other people around my age and kind of uh, speak about their memories of growing up and how they remember their parents and kind of things that their parents used to say because I kind of pick up on these common elements the common stories uh, that come out of people and construct the narratives that way when I'm researching other things I I suppose I go through this process of taking reference images of myself in various poses because I try to embody a feeling of um, this character that I want to portray so for that, it's almost like I'm channeling, um, I suppose it's a similar kind of process that actors go through because they all kind of read a script and then kind of try and uh, imagine what this character will be. And then they kind of embody that. And I kind of do a similar process with the reference images I take of myself. So that's kind of how I kind of go about doing my work. And, and those sort of moods and ideas that you have, like you said, almost like a method actor. Yes. Um, do you feel like you embody that whilst actually producing the work or what, just while taking those reference imagery? When I'm taking the reference images and sometimes I don't uh, respond to um, any specific ideas. Sometimes I might go in my studio and feel like I need to take some images. So it's almost like I'm creating these characters and not knowing what they're going to respond to. And some of those poses could be in my kind of photo library for a year or so. And then when I start doing research for a new body of work, I might actually glance through some images and think, oh, that one kind of connects. And then there's this kind of idea that starts to blossom. So then I will kind of, make a composition and grid up the drawing and once the drawings gridded up I then kind of respond to what the drawings trying to tell me so it's almost like I'll do this research I'll kind of pursue an idea and then once I start the drawing it then becomes a conversation between me and the drawing and the, the research starts to kind of recede almost because I then get to a point where I don't even look at the research anymore. I'm just focused on the work and what the work wants to become. So they grow quite organically from the, from yeah. the history. Yeah. And each of the titles is so um, narrative driven. Yeah. I'd say with, I, there's the passengers, lost, found. Yes. They all have this, all the characters and the subjects have this real, like I say, born of the history, but then grown through, through you. Yes, and I pick titles that are quite, um, in a way, they're quite abstract, but they kind of suggest a narrative and, and, a, and an alternative one. 
Um, and I guess that kind of, because I did my degree in film, so that's where my love of storytelling comes from, because I used to write my own screenplays and make shorts. And so uh, with the titles, I do suggest something that's kind of almost transient as well and it allows the mind to wander and so there's and there's often a gap between the title and what's going on in the work as well I don't describe the work with the title I kind of suggest something else yeah obviously it invites that sort of questioning for the viewers and makes it almost that much more intriguing like with lost found you sort of think who's who's lost who's found who's yeah yeah and that was my first big drawing I did that because I did a foundation at City Lit, a part-time foundation, and because uh, I wanted to do sculpture and it didn't quite work out on the course, and I was stuck for something to do with my final piece, and a few people said to me, oh, you know, your drawings are really good, why don't you do something drawing, and it kind of made sense, and I started researching where I live because I live in Bermondsey and I live quite close to Jamaica Road and I wanted to know why Jamaica Road was called Jamaica Road and so out of that research um, around the borough of Southwark's connection with the transatlantic slave trade and all the docks along the river uh, this kind of I was kind of overwhelmed with the amount of research that I'd done because I thought I could have made a documentary with that uh, but then I started to kind of make connections with kind of Jamaican history and kind of history of my family in Jamaica because they own some land in the Blue Mountains and they grow coffee and there used to be a lot of coffee houses around Tooley Street so all these connections and someone said why don't you do a self-portrait and it kind of made sense but even when I was constructing the work I knew it wasn't about me it was a bigger story than that and uh, I decided to make something life-size because I just wanted to challenge myself I didn't really think that I'd end up having a career kind of doing that it was just something that's oh let me just do something I've never done before and so that's how that kind of came about. So your works have always been life-size because they are stunning. Yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> I started doing smaller works now uh, but yes, I do like doing the life-sized work, but it does take a lot out of me because um, emotionally um, it's almost like I'm communicating with another human and I'm having to kind of go within and bring a lot of stuff out and it does take a lot out of me. But yes, I do enjoy making them and I do enjoy what they have to tell me as well. Do you find that your studio, um, even if it's cold, feels very busy with all yeah. these different bodies on the wall? Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> and I like the kind of dialogue that they have in the space with each other. And then that is transformed again when they leave my studio and they go into another space. Um, I find that interesting how how the kind of narrative shifts um, especially when I did my solo show last year in November, December, because in my studio, they were all very close to each other. It did kind of, there was this kind of serenity in the, in the space, but at the same time, uh, there was a lot of kind of cross dialogues going on. But then when they had this bigger space to inhabit, they became even more regal as well. It was just... <laughs> 
because because uh, the work was exhibited at Cromwell Place, and Cromwell Place is a really nice. Um, it's a gallery space. It's kind of five townhouses that were kind of knocked into this huge kind of complex. So Cromwell Place has several galleries in there. And then when you go in the lower ground floor, they have all these different viewing rooms. So my, my show was hosted in the viewing rooms. So it's still got all the features of a Victorian house. So it's like a domestic space, which interestingly enough, before I even knew that it was going to be at Cromwell Place, I kind of started to imagine them in a domestic space because I felt that that's what they needed. So being in that space gave the work another kind of layer as well, which I really nice liked. But I like the fact that they looked even more regal and it's like, yes, we belong here. That's what it felt like they were saying. And I think lots of people looking at your work will, um, especially, you know, online, as we all do nowadays through Instagram, will see them as obviously in these, you know, pencil pencil and graphite works. But you do incorporate often many media into your yes. work. Yes, I do. So I incorporate watercolour and that's always been there since the very first uh, big drawing. And uh, so with the couple of the Windrush pieces, I've incorporated like silver gilding wax and um, I've incorporated gold ink as well. So all of these kind of materials add these kind of layers of narrative as well and meaning onto the work. I like, I like kind of, I like doing that. I like kind of thinking about what material can help describe what I'm trying to do as well. Yes, I'd, I'd like to do that even more, I think, in future work. So the material itself, like you say, whether it's the ink or the, or the watercolour or the gold, is intrinsically almost more important than necessarily the colour? Yeah, um, uh, yes, it's, yes, it's interesting because, uh, yes, because I've got colour that I've used for the first time, full colour in these works. But when I've used indigo, the colour has been important because I've been doing a lot of research around indigo um, initially um, as a, a slave plantation crop, but as my research deepened, I discovered that there was a lot of um, traditional funerary rites around the colour indigo, so it's a very sacred colour um, in many um, ancient traditions. Um, so when I use it in my cosmological works, it is kind of referencing those kind of ancient traditions of sacred rites. Um, so yes, yeah, so the colour, yes, particularly indigo does have a significant meaning to it and it tends to re reference that. With my new works, because um, I'm talking about the plant kingdom, I thought I can't not use colour. <laughs> But it's the way, I suppose, the way I've used the colour. It's still subtle because I've been wanting to use colour for a long time, but I'm aware that my drawings are quite delicate and I didn't want the colour to kind of dominate over the pencil drawings. So it has been this kind of fine balance, finding the right balance. And I, I have now, which is really nice. And, and it's we've been talking about, obviously, the, the energies, these narratives, obviously the histories that come into your work. Um, but you also bring influences and uh, pieces from different artists' work. Um, and I know I mentioned to you earlier about, you know, William Morris. And I yeah. wonder what other artists do you find come out in your works and do you draw inspiration from? Uh, 
I love the work of Klimt because of the symbolism. <laughs> I'm always looking at his works and, and I look at other artists' works who use kind of symbolic language. Robert Pruitt, I've kind of recently discovered his works, uh, which I find really, really intriguing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I tend to look at a, a lot of drawings that have their own, inhabit their own kind of universe. Rachel Goodyear, I like her work as well. Um, yes, so anything that's kind of slightly unusual, uh, kind of um, surreal, very symbolic. Leonora Carrington, I love her work. So, so yes, so so yeah, I do look at the way other artists use symbols in their work, and I kind of take inspiration from that as well but I look at a lot of um kind of historic paintings as well I mean Holbein's The Ambassadors uh which is in the National Gallery I'm intrigued especially by that skull that you yeah because there's this weird shape and then when you go walk around the corner to the side you then realize it's a skull the way yes artists of that period had a lot of symbols in their work as well uh, because they were just going out into the world and, and discovering different um, continents and how they kind of displayed their wealth and their prestige by use of symbols um, so yes I'm always looking at, at stuff um, and the other thing I think that stands out so strongly in your work is the use of fashion and clothing, because obviously they are these life-size, full-bodied drawings. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the role that fashion plays in your practice? I started, I worked briefly in the fashion industry many, many, many years ago as a footwear designer. <laughs> and my mum was a dressmaker and she was super stylish. Um, she never made her own clothes. She used to make my clothes, but she always had her clothes made for her. Um, and they were kind of very elaborate gowns, kind of with beading and embroidery and all that stuff. Um, and I started making clothes at a really young age. Um, so by the time I was seven, my mum bought me a sewing machine and it was a proper adult sewing machine. And I always thought I'd become a fashion designer. And so when I was around the age of 16, 17, because I used to make my own clothes, I started making clothes for other people and did like little catwalk shows and things. So, so yeah, clothing is important. And I think it's important also, particularly to my mum's generation, um, a lot of Caribbeans they have, and actually West Africans as well, because the whole thing about dressing up to go to church or presenting yourself very well is a thing and actually I was speaking to a friend of mine who's Sri Lankan and she was saying that it's the same and it maybe it's kind of a colonial thing a lot of people who are colonized there's this kind of thing around dress and around presenting yourself so I initially with Lost Found I kind of used the coat that the character is wearing as something that can be removed because at that time I was concerned with image of blackness and what's projected onto black people living in a western environment because there is this perception of blackness which doesn't 
have anything to do with the individual. It is a constructed narrative. And, you know, a lot of that filters through the media and, you know, so it's all of that. So I thought, you know, this character should be wearing a coat because some, it's something that can be removed. But then as my work developed, I started using uh, the clothing just as a device of telling a narrative. So often uh, what's going on on the clothing is different to what actually the, the character is doing, especially if I've got several characters in a scene. The way they're relating to each other doesn't have anything to do with what's on the clothing. So that just, the clothing adds another layer of narrative. And I quite like that. And I like, I like pattern. So when I kind of tell these stories on the clothing, I'm constructing pattern as well. And so that's where the William Morris came in because um, with my first drawing that was connected to Windrush, uh, called They Didn't Come to Stay, which was the story about my, my parents' generation and their experience of coming to live in the UK. I, at the time when I made that drawing, that was a, a year, just over a year before the Windrush scandal broke. So when I Googled Windrush, there was this pattern came that came up, this William Morris pattern. So I kind of investigated it a bit more and that pattern was called Windrush. So I then put that part of that pattern onto the clothing of one of the characters and so and the whole idea of pattern I mean when I grew up when I was growing up um, you know all my parents generation had patterns everywhere and it was all clashing so the wallpaper was a different pattern to the carpet and there's a different pattern to what's on the sofa so everything was really loud and you know quite kitsch and so I'm kind of holding on to that idea of pattern on clothing as well, kind of in a way, kind of referencing them. And it's kind of um, it's a bit of nostalgia and a bit of romance as well on my part. Um, but I found that clothing as a device is a very uh, interesting way of telling stories it's so important such a nuanced thing like say from your childhood and then how it's how it's you know so relevant to so many people yeah I find that if you yeah it's something that kind of Barbara Streisand and she said uh in an interview once that what comes from the heart will go to the heart and so even though I'm talking about um a specific experience um from an African-Caribbean perspective, uh, I'm still telling a human story so other people can connect to it and enter it from their perspective as well. Um, so because the work itself, when you look at it, it's, it's quite broad. It's not culture specific. You don't say, okay, I'm looking at this and it's doing this. It, it doesn't, it operates on so many different levels. And I like that uh, because I think it's important to share things. And as artists, you know, we're often just sharing human stories. And so everybody can kind of access that and everybody who carries around their own little history can find different ways into the work. And also my stories are about women as well. So they're women's stories. And I suppose, um, so it connects to all women really as well. 
and I'm always interested to have conversations with people and see what they get from the work as well. It's, that's that's always really that's the joy for me. That's that's the kind of feedback that I like to have is when people talk about my work and I thought, oh, I never never thought about it that way because they might read it in a certain way or they might pick up something from my work that I didn't. So those things I really treasure as well. It, it comes across really strongly that that you are this sort of, in your practice, almost like a portal to all these different, like, say, narratives and everything. And then you're also almost re-gifting that to people, just from what you were saying, from then people coming into it from so many different places and different energies and et cetera. Yeah. And then coming to you with these different reactions. Have you had any particularly remarkable or, or memorable reactions to your work? Yeah, a few people were moved to tears when they came to my private view, to my uh, solo show. And that uh, is really, for me, uh, more than I expected. Uh, because with those works in particular, I, I'm really interested in kind of creating healing spaces as well. Um so that was really for me uh, quite quite moving for me to to witness that yeah so uh, so yeah it's it's nice because I think in many ways now I kind of feel that what I do is it's not just about creating art and creating art for art's sake but I think it's almost like um, I'm doing some kind of service and I'm hoping that uh, people get something positive from my work so so yeah I think I think there's no doubt with that like you say producing these spaces and telling these stories is so important and and the fact that people like you say move to tears that's very must be quite overwhelming yeah it was overwhelming and it's kind of weird because on the private view I felt like I was at my own funeral because you know <laughs> you have so many people say nice things you don't normally have people you know it just doesn't happen though does it <laughs> so <laughs> So yeah, so it was. I mean, that 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 day in particular, you, you know, I'll never forget that day. And it was just, it was quite an overwhelming day for me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and throughout the show because I, I knew I wanted to be there every, every weekend because you know just to meet. Uh, I think it's important to kind of connect with um, you know people who follow my work. So it's, it's just really nice meeting people that you kind of connect to on Instagram, but it's nice to meet them in real life as well. I, I thought that was important as well for me to do. It's such a wonderful thing meeting 2D people <laughs> in 3D. <Yeah. laughs> Very surreal. And I think we're all yeah. going through that now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and transitioning um, before, before we finish from these, obviously, for large full-scale works that you do to teeny tiny postcard donations for the hepatitis C trust. Yes. How has that been? How's it been working so small? Yeah, that, that was quite nice because it's a different relationship to the work as well. Uh, and uh, I'd started making smaller works, uh, gosh, we're in 22 now, in 2020 when I did my first show with Tiwani, the two-person show. Um, and I was, I had to make smaller works then because of lockdown I couldn't bring my large works home to do from home but working even smaller for the postcard that it it just felt so precious and <laughs> I just took my time with it because I thought I just I, I wanted to make make it look special and for that work I made a plant warrior uh, because I started making these plant warrior women in my for the works for the solo show and this 
idea, I, I was kind of working on the premise that um, that herbs have their own, or, or at least all plant life have their own um, levels of spiritual evolution. And so when you ingest this plant, you're kind of taking on those properties. And so for that drawing, I looked at the artichoke because it's a, a, it's a good liver uh, cleanser. And so for people with hepatitis C, they need that liver support. So that was that little plant warrior that I worked on for the art in the postcard. And uh, so she's got this kind of tattoo on her arm, which is an adinkra symbol. And it's the um, eye fern. And it's a symbol of endurance because you, you do need a lot of um, endurance. If you're recovering from any kind of condition, you need that kind of support and that endurance. So, so yeah, but I wanted to make sure that she was super precious. And yeah, so it was nice. It was a joy to work on really was yeah and thank you again thank you and it sounds like a nourishing little jewel yes <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much again yeah it's, it's wonderful to have you in this auction we've got some just incredible incredible artists donating and thank you for being one of them oh, um, and just before the end i wonder what what does 2022 look like i know you're <laughs> what can we expect from you? What should we look out for? Uh, yes, a few shows coming up. I'm not even sure if I'm meant to mention one of them, but I my my gallery is opening a second space in Lagos, so I'm working on uh, work specifically for that. And there's another show that I'm in at the Nasher Museum uh, in America. Um, that show will open next month and uh, there's a couple of other shows but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say anything yet so I won't say anything just in case <laughs> and then I'm doing a residency as well uh, two months in France so I'm looking forward to that yeah so that'll be uh, mid-May until July so I'm really looking forward to that so yeah whereabouts in France are you going? Ah yes it is a southwest France I'm not sure the exact location all the details will be given to me soon um uh but yes it's southwest France Wonderful. and it's um on this estate that's it's a lot of land around it so it's and I'll be with two other artists that I'm not sure who they are yet and um so that'll be nice um like a retreat from my normal life would be really nice yeah sounds blissful sounds absolutely yeah. blissful. and right at the end um we often like to do little shout outs to people um if there's any artists you want to shout out or any exhibitions that you're excited to go to um uh, oh because i'm on uh tate's mailing list so there's a surrealism exhibition coming up that i want to see so i'm super excited about that uh and um oh i can't think of anything else there's so much that i can't my brain's gone a bit <laughs> that's fine it's overwhelming sometimes you know yes it is there's a lot on between islands people should go and see that that's a tape at the moment so yes thank you shaman it's been an absolute pleasure and a joy to speak to you today thank you for joining me yes and thank you for inviting me thank you anytime thank you very much okay thank you